You are listening to the Gay Florida Man podcast. This podcast is hosted by retired corrections officer, Mark DeWolf, who will discuss various topics prevalent to corrections, gay culture, arts and entertainment, as well as current events. Listeners need to be advised that this podcast will discuss situations involving extreme violence, substance abuse, sexual assault, and murder. Details of actual events have been modified so as to protect the privacy of involved parties. Welcome back to the Gay Florida Man. This is episode four. This week has been kind of a sad week in uh, law enforcement. Everybody's been following the situation with the officer or staff member, Vicki White from Alabama, who made some bad choices and now she's gone tits up and the inmate that she helped get out of the jail is back in the jail. And it's always a reflection of all law enforcement and it's really sad day for for a lot of people, but I don't know why she did that. I'm sure a lot more details will come out. It sounds like at this point, it was some type of romantic thing. Just it's unfortunate that this sort of thing happens. As you look at this situation, one thing needs to come to mind when you talk about law enforcement for people that are going to get into this field, because it's not for everybody. But there's a word that you see all the time on the side of a police car, and it says integrity. The definition of integrity is the adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character, honesty. And unfortunately, some people sway away from that. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. As you look at law enforcement, if that's a possible career, or for those of you that are in it, people that have retired from it, it's one of those things where you you look at it, it's not for everybody. It's got a high divorce rate, high rate of alcoholism. I think that the average life expectancy is 59. It's a very difficult career. There's a lot of challenge. Of course, there's a lot of reward, but it's not for everybody. Now, why do cops go bad? I don't know, but tonight I'm going to be talking with Officer Johnny, who is also retired, and I had the pleasure of working with him for 20 years inside the Utah State Prison. John, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> it's so great to hear your voice again. Oh, man, it's so good to hear you, brother. I, I miss <laughs> you so much. Yeah, I, in it, a weird way. I, I don't know why, but I miss you so much. You know, it, uh, I, I, I miss you. And, and the thing is, is when you work shoulder to shoulder with somebody over the years, you get to know their wife, their spouse, their kids. You hear about the kids' baseball games or, you know, ballet or, or whatever the children are into. And you grow up, it's, it's a family. It's a network of yes, family. They, they become your brother and sisters. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the uh, the biggest challenges to the job is when you work with somebody, you get to know them, you get to know their family, and they decide to make some bad decisions. Yes. And boy, do we have a list. <laughs> so unfortunately, we have a list. Yes. So so Johnny is going to join me tonight as we discuss the different situations and and it seems like it always starts out and tell me if I'm I'm wrong. I mean, you've helped with training, Johnny. Uh you know that it's like you get the newer recruits and they come in and they're 
They're, they're big-eyed, bushy-tailed. They're excited for this career. They're ready for the challenge. And one of the things that you have to talk to them about the challenges of working with the inmate population with criminals, you always hear that story. And when I went through the academy, the big story was about a particular captain who I never knew who was receiving a blowjob in a office in the Wasatch Corridor. And another staff, a brand-new officer, had walked in and got this this captain getting a blowjob under the desk from an inmate. Yep. Yep. I remember and, that. I remember that very well. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, oh my God, that's terrible. Like, who could do that? Over the years, you start to hear the different stories. And then you start to you start to get to know the people. And then what happens is is the people around you that you knew and they they start to get involved. So where do you even start with this? I, I don't know. I, I know that probably going back to 1998, probably the first time that like somebody that I that I actually knew who ended up, I didn't know him very well. And I'm going to go to, uh, uh, this is a wild case. And I know that you know this very well, but I'm going to be reading from the Prison Legal News website. And we're going to be talking about the first case which was a uh, 34-year-old Utah prison guard charged with sexually assaulting two prisoners at the Utah State Prison. This goes back to December of 1998. John, jump in at any time. You know more details than what this this report's talking about. This person is, of course, convicted. I am mentioning him by name. That is his name because he he was convicted and sentenced. But uh, it was Lieutenant Kessler. I think it lists him on on this particular report. It says Sergeant Kessler. He was uh, he worked in the culinary, and he was bringing this one particular inmate down into the basement of the culinary and making this inmate suck him off. Yeah. And so then the inmate though kept the officer's semen in his mouth, spit it into a rubber glove, and then yeah, yeah. Sn- snuck it back to his block and then I guess got it to his girlfriend and visitation or wife or something. And then uh, they of course went, you know, outside of the prison and, and turned it in. And yeah, uh, I think, I think it was during the, the attorney visit, the actual attorney visit that he was able to transfer the evidence to the now, attorney. He kept the semen <laughs> in the in his cell for five days on ice yes and it, yeah. sa- it says that in this report I, god damn man I, you talk about the nerve you know to, to well, the, the, the inmates are do there they were always doing something for themselves the end was, result was always something to get something and obviously in this case from what i remember was the inmate was manipulating him into finding a way out of, of prison. Mm-mm-mm. Does that make sense? No, I mean, it, it, it totally does. You know, I, I don't know any details about this, this inmate that Kessler had decided. I guess there was two, according to this. There was a yeah. 31-year-old male prisoner, and then um, the other guy was 21. So oh, okay. the one that, that actually burned him and spit the <clears throat> the semen into a rubber glove and, and brought it back to his cell and kept it for five days, that, that kid was 21. Wow. So, wow. yeah, but that's, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, you could have a hundred officers that do the 20, 25, 30 years and retire and they were great upstanding people and they contributed to the rehabilitation of inmates. 
nobody's going to remember the hundred guys, but they're going to remember Kessler. Oh, oh yeah. that's the guy that made the inmate suck him off. Yep. And then, and yep. it's like, why didn't you pick an inmate that swallows you dumb fuck? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm just saying anyways. So that, <laughs> that's the story of Kessler. That was, so that was the first one. That's where like my cherry was popped. And I actually kind of knew or had met, uh, I would never met him in the basement of the culinary. I probably wasn't as tight because I wasn't in a jumpsuit. <laughs> that was that was Lieutenant Kessler. Uh, you can look that up online. It's pretty. What's his first name? Um, Jerry Gene Kessler. If you decide to go out with him, I'm telling you right now, he likes oral sex. <laughs> now the next one is a case that I know that we were both there for. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and and we <laughs> we knew this guy, and we knew the inmate. I'm not going to talk about the inmates, uh, but she was definitely high profile in the news a lot. But we definitely know Louis Polite. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 I, I def yeah. I remember that case very well. Yeah. Do, do you want to uh, do you want to tell that story? Or you um, from what I understand, Polite was having female inmate and he was he would come up for uh, he'd come up with reasons to get her off of the unit come up with reasons to transport her off the unit and then i heard the one of the cases that i heard was he was having sex with that female inmate in the transportation van on property like out on one of the frontage roads looking back at this case and you know doing the the classic google search I did find uh, about the lawsuit after the fact, and in and this is from the Salt Lake Tribune, and it talks about the case. It refers back to the case what you know started this litigation with this particular inmate suing the state. He, I guess, had uh, 2002 corrections officer Lewis James Polite took her out of her cell on the pretext of taking her to the infirmary. Polite took Chavez to a secluded gatehouse and viciously raped her while she was still shackled, according to court records. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, and that, but that's just one of the incidences, right? That, there were several incidences that occurred. Um, because this article is about the lawsuit more so, it just mentions the one yeah, you know, but uh, I don't yeah. know if they had his DNA or what. But of course, he was convicted. He ended up serving five years, uh, and I believe it was in another state. I know that when he was originally booked in, he came back to the state prison. Correct? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he a short time there. Yeah, and a lot. Of, and a lot of times, if a if an officer at a particular correctional facility, they'll be moved to a different facility or out of state. Yes, they know the operations, they know the staff and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so. or they'll be moved to a facility that houses ex-police and, and ex-military. Uh, oh, yeah. What a yeah. Okay, so that was, you know, the first one being Kessler and then Polite. You know, I'm seeing a common theme here with sexual assault, which is, uh, which is really sad. We now jump to uh, a situation, and I know that we had talked about this the other night, John. I found him, and I'm going to tell you the title of this. This is from the Deseret News, and this is from 2004, and the title is Corrections Officer Arrested in Gun Incident at the Prison. Oh, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yep, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yep. And so according to this report, it was Larry Van Cox received $11,000 in cash bribes to smuggle into uh, items into the prison at the point of the mountain between May and December 2003. The scheme started small with cigarettes and chewing tobacco and later escalated to cell phones, a small DVD player and DVDs and a portable computer printer which allegedly contained the 32 caliber handgun found in the prison on December 4th. That is, that should send shockwaves to anybody because when you're working inside the prison, the only thing that you're carrying is pepper spray and handcuffs. Yeah. You know, yeah. And a, a weapon inside a facility is one of the worst things could ever happen. Well, I mean, if, if you get confronted with an inmate, you're, you're dead because. Yeah. As long as, you know, as long as he knows how to operate that handgun and he's got the ammunition, he, you're a sitting duck. Yeah. So, I mean, nothing is, is, could be more dangerous. Do you, do you know the outcome of what happened to uh former officer Cox? Uh, I, I, I don't know how legitimate the story is. I don't know the exact outcome as far as legally what had happened. Right, right. The outcome I the had heard he wanted to ask for his retirement money up front before he was investigated by our investigations, the internal investigations. Weird. Yeah. After really he weird. was brought in and told, look, these charges are go going against you. He said, oh, okay, but can I get my retirement money first before this goes through? So I can help pay for it or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I understood. I've heard allegedly the guy was was pretty arrogant, according to this article. The Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office has charged Cox, fifty nine, with three felony counts of receive, receiving or soliciting a bribe by a public servant, a second degree felony, three counts of providing contraband to an offender, a class B misdemeanor, and one count of money laundering, a second degree felony. And that was according to a press release from the DA's office. You, you know, I, did you ever meet the, did you ever meet the guy? I know. I never, I, I knew of him. I never met him. I never worked for him. No, nope, never met him. You know, I never met him either. I just I mean, somebody said Cox. And of course, you know, I was really interested. And then I realized it's just some fucking guy who brought a gun in. You know. I was, I was involved in the search. I remember the search. Oh, for the gun. Yeah. We were searching. I was completely involved in that. Yep. Wow. But what was and, interesting is we weren't told in the in the briefing when we were brought in to go on our A team and B team and in this case the C team, the response teams. We were basically weren't told of what we were looking for. So I thought that was interesting. Really? Um, yes. We were not told what exactly we were looking for. I guess they just wanted to kind of put out a net. So it's like, <clears throat> no matter what it is, no matter how trivial we want to know about it, yeah. let's see well, what else I they think, find. I think, yeah, I think too, when you're inside and you're talking amongst all the other officers and stuff, it's always within inmate ear, ear shot somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't want to get it out. That, hey, we, we're all looking for a gun. And then that gets to the inmate and the inmates know there's a free gun somewhere. Well, you get, you get some officer who gets wet. Oh, well, I'll just ask him. Uh, attention, uh, unit five. Uh, Has anybody seen a gun on the floor? 
anywhere. It's going to save you a lot of trouble if you just bring <laughs> us that fucking gun right now. Because <laughs> if not, we're coming in and we're going to smash every one of those fucking honey buns. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> they did They did find the gun. They found the gun in the rafters of the... Like, God, I can't even remember. UCI, right? UCI, yes. Yeah. They found the gun in the rafters. Did, was there any ammunition? There was no ammunition found from one Not yet. <clears throat> Yeah, not yet. Yeah. Oh, that 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 was. <laughs> there was no I, ammunition. The guy wasn't a young guy. He was fifty nine. No, no, he was not. He Holy was, crap! Not. But and, yeah, I guess he yeah. was making some money on the side. And it says in the article that he was putting the money in his credit union. So, oh, wow. <laughs> cash deposits. I'm guessing. I don't know. I mean, it was before wow. all the cash apps that they got now. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Okay, so the next one on our list is um, uh, an individual that I actually had the pleasure of going through the academy with. I say that uh, very sarcastically because uh, we weren't friends. But uh, that would be Mr. Sean Register, former officer Sean Register, charged with assaulting a woman he met online through an LDS dating service, was sentenced Tuesday for aggravated assault, but will only spend 12 days in jail. This takes us back to 2005. He was sentenced to 60 days in jail and more than $900 in court fees, as well as to be determined amount of restitution to the victim. However, because Register has spent 48 days in jail before he could post the $100,000 bail, those days will be credited to his total incarceration time, thus requiring only 12 days in the Utah County Jail. He was uh, first charged with aggravated sexual assault, a first-degree felony, after he assaulted a woman who he met on LDSmingle.com in September of 2004. You know, I'm sure after the whole thing was over, you know, I'm sure Sean was thinking more like LDSsnitch.com. He's probably <laughs> pissed at that young lady, but of course, you know, kind of unfortunate that he had to force himself on her. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, after a few yeah, that, phone that, that's this is an interesting case as far as an example of of it being outside of the facility you right know? right no i mean it's uh, i mean if you listen if you listen to this you're thinking my god what the hell is going on inside the prison but then you're also thinking maybe there's something wrong with correctional officers um, it, it could, because there's plenty of incidences that I can't count on all my fingers that happen outside of the facility as well. The, the situation that we had talked about the other day, there was one particular staff and I don't have the details on this. So of course we don't mention names. Um, but there was one individual that was fairly new to the department. And I guess his brother called him. His brother got pulled over and was getting going to get charged with DUI. Yeah. So this guy yeah. fill in the rest of the story yeah. there. Yeah. He would basically his brother, his brother was at a party where he shouldn't have been, <laughs> um, where there were lots of drugs and alcohol involved and that kind of thing. He decided, well, I've got, I'm a police officer now. I'm, I'm going to go get my brother out of this incident. And he showed up and flashed his badge. He had his, from what I understand, he had like his civilian clothes on, but he put his police coat on and took his badge, basically showed the officers, flashed the badge and said, I've got this. I'm, I'm going to handle this guy. And they were like, wait a second. Let's, 
that's not how things work. Yeah, he got himself fired. He watched too many movies, and he figured <laughs> he could pull up and say, hey, guys, I got this one. Hey, yeah, you know, we're a team, remember? Yeah, so, I got your yeah. back, guys. I'll take this one. We, yeah, Next round of donuts on me. We got handle it. ourselves, which I think that's almost a, a farce, too, when it comes to, you know, people think that there's a brotherhood within law enforcement, and absolutely there is. When you step outside the bounds of what you what you were sworn duty to do, I, I don't know a lot of cops are going to turn their back on on that. You know, at least I didn't. No, no I, you know, I, I will say that honestly, Utah is done really, really well. I mean, they're a pretty damn professional state. Not yeah. saying that there, there's that. people that are in law enforcement for the wrong reasons or they're flawed or whatever, and they make bad decisions or they make mistakes, whatever the reason being, and that's in every state. Utah definitely handles those people, and they get decertified by the police officer standards and training. So the department goes after them, then Post makes sure that they cannot get hired elsewhere. Yep. They yep. are handled, and it's very, very serious because it's a reflection of the agency. It's a reflection of the integrity. Well, it's not just, it's, it's, it's a reflection of the agency. It's it, uh, that lack of professionalism. It goes against everything that you were sworn in as an officer. And Absolutely. One, one thing to look about all these incidences that you're talking about, and I know we're joke, you joke a little bit, but it's, you got to see some humor in it. Human behavior is insane, mm -hmm. but you're talking to the gay Florida man. Huh? I know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> One of the craziest fuckers I ever worked with. <laughs> but at the same time, one of the most professional when it came, when you were on Mark, when you were on duty, I knew, I knew I didn't have to worry about that area that you worked because when shit hit the fan, you handled things, you handled things in a very professional manner. I appreciate um, that. I really yeah, seriously it, appreciate that, John. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the truth. That's the truth. But what, but one of the, these incidences from bringing a gun into a facility or having sex with an inmate, one thing that people don't realize is how much danger they are putting themselves. They're putting other officers in danger. They're putting inmates in danger too. There's, there was an incident where female officer brought a male inmate into a control room to, for whatever reasons. I, how dangerous could that be to the public? Where do the inmates can take control of the facility? Our jobs were to keep inmates inside a facility until their sentence was done. It's, they're, they're betraying the trust of not just themselves and that inmate they're betraying the trust of the state you work for the the community that you work in i mean it's it's a highly serious issue and and when you look i knew we were going to be talking about that issue and i tried to just google why do why does this happen in prisons and you will not get a straight answer you, you'll well, I, hardly find any answers. You'll find a ton of stories, correctional officers sleeping with inmates or beating up people that they are, they found online. 
but you you don't find the reasons why. I think that I think that the reasons vary. I mean, when you talk about a female staff bringing in an inmate, and I correct me if I'm wrong, that inmate was in the prison for murder. Yes, that that is okay. Correct. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, and, and people have repeated this to me, this is not my thought process, but I understand where they're coming from, is that a lot of attraction is, I, I say women, but it's it could be men or women. They, yeah. like, they like the bad boy. They like the it, one I, that's... Yes, I've spoke to you about guy. it before. They did, they, yeah, it seems like they like the, yeah. They like and, the and John, I'm here to say, right here, right now, I've never been attracted to the bad guy. You've never I'm, been attracted. To the no, bad guy. no, I, that's never been my thing. And, uh, and I'll, I'll say I've been on dates where a guy realized I was a nice guy and I could see that this guy was turned off. Cause it's like, God, you're a really nice guy. And they were disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. Don't know, but, I've, but, I've, <laughs> I, I've had dates like that where basically I was told I was too nice of a guy. Yeah. 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 It was kind of like, well, you want me to be a bad guy? Like, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never quite understood that. And maybe Some, that's the personality. Is that personality? Is that the way we we're raised? Yeah, I don't. I, don't I mean, know. you could go into all sorts of sociological or psychological uh, background of any one of these cases. I mean, with with the guy that brings the gun in, you know, clearly yeah. his was just financial. And, and absolutely, I, yeah. And I he, didn't know the detail about him worrying about his retirement. His obviously was a financial situation. It's um, financial gain, you know. But, it, the, but who who's gaining the most out of this, out of all these incidents, is is the inmate. Well, yeah, yeah. This I, case, you know, the first case she talked about with Vicky, she betrays the trust of everybody, gets her boyfriend out. Is her boyfriend or her husband? No, I think that her, I think she was widowed and okay. there's, so I mean, there's going to be so much more information coming out on her case about how she got into a relationship with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. Know, and I'm not saying she was like the hottest chick, but I mean, I think she was what, 56 or 58 widowed, yeah. Yeah. Uh, close to retirement. I, the whole thing. I just, 10 days. was it 10 days to retirement? I thought I thought it was like the next day. I, I don't know the details because I'm so like sick of retirement. I, I gotta tell you, John, I'm so sick and tired of seeing these cases and people say, Oh, did you read about this case in Alabama? I don't want to. I've lived it. I've yeah. known a lot yeah. of these people personally. Yes. And it, it's in, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I wanted to just follow up with the whole thing with Mr. Register. Um in a plea deal with prosecution, Register pleaded guilty in August of this year. Not this year, meaning right now, but the year of this article, which again was 2005. He reduced charge of aggravated assault, a third degree felony, instead of the more serious first degree felony, aggravated sexual assault charge. Anyways, yeah. yeah. If you're online and if you're on ldsmingle.com, I don't know what, what do you think his, uh, his username would be? <laughs> XCO hardcore or something? I don't know. But stay away from that one. I'm telling you right now, not the guy you want to date, unless you're into that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> so now the next case that I got to talk about is got to be my favorite. It's absolutely my favorite because it hits so close to home and I was very closely involved. I'm going to go back. This has got to be 2000, 
2005, 2004, I don't, somewhere around that time. It was during that time where I was making the, the China Buffet, an independent film that I did. I, I have a great friend film, of mine. By the way, great film. Just, well, <laughs> Thanks. Anyway. <laughs> so a friend of mine is filming from, from Los Angeles, uh, Eric. Wonderful, amazing guy. Him and I and a case manager from the prison and this officer who's working <laughs> at the prison. The four of us, we go on a double date. And we're on State Street at Sukasa. And we're eating at this Mexican restaurant and things are nice. Things are good. And it, I think it probably was Eric's first time in Salt Lake city showing around the town. So we're going to go to dinner. Then we're going to go out to the club. And so we're at dinner, you know, we're having conversation. It's, you know, it's a little bit awkward. Maybe I should have just like gone out with Eric alone first rather than a double date, probably overwhelming, but it's, it's fun. So we're sitting there at uh, dinner and the bill comes and I'm looking at my wallet. I'm going to pull out my credit card to pay for Eric and I. This, this person on the other side of the table, whose name is William, he's, you know, he says, I hear him say, oh, I got this. And I never even looked up. I just said, oh, no, I can't let you do that. And then I look up and he's looking at me confused. And he goes, I was talking to her. <laughs> and I, John, I felt so stupid. I'm like, oh, uh, of course you were going to pay. For I'm sorry. i I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I, you know, and Eric is kind of like, you know, you know, putting his head down and covering his eyes like, fuck, this guy's not very bright. <laughs> so, but, so we went from there and we went out and we went dancing. This female officer was dancing more with like me and Eric or Eric and I rather. And this other guy, William, kind of looked out of place. I don't know if he knew that we were going to be going to a gay bar. And she was totally down. And of course, Eric and I are down. And here we got this guy. And, you know, he just doesn't, I don't know. He just didn't fit in. So that's, uh, that was the night. It wasn't a big deal. But then what happens is Mr. Lawrence, his last name is Lawrence. He ends up getting arrested and convicted for sexual abuse. I don't know a lot of the details, but according to this article, which is from the AP, and this goes back to 2017. I'm going to give save the punchline till the end. He had handcuffed a girl to a bed and forced her to perform sex acts. And then he was convicted wow. of forcible sexual abuse and forcible sodomy. Another one that loves blowjobs. I don't know what it is with COs and blowjobs. They, you know, it's the bad I, guy. It's the bad guy thing. It, it is. God, yeah, I don't, I know. maybe I, don't. I am into the bad guys. I mean, it's kind of like the whole handgun thing and that other guy. I mean, one cock and I'm ready to blow. I, I don't know if I like the bad guy. But anyway, so um, what happens is, is this is where it takes kind of a twist. So we see Mr. Lawrence on the news and it's like, holy shit, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I've been out dancing with him and I felt really stupid when I thought he was going to pay for my bill for my date and I. And, <laughs> and I have that story, you know, and I've seen him on the news. I'm like, Wow, that's crazy. Well, the craziest part, and I know you already know the, the punchline of this, is before he gets sentenced, he fled from Utah. He didn't yeah. show up. He took off. And he was gone for 11 years. Yeah. He was, yeah. I, I, I remember that story where, like, where the hell did that guy go? Right. It, right. You know, and it was always like, oh, they'll show up somewhere. You know, I know he's not going to be at the like, gay he club. Didn't. He didn't want to be at the gay club that one night. He's not going to go there. So, hey, marshals, <laughs> don't waste your time for club sound. 
because he's he gone be for there. eleven. He's gone for eleven years. He could certainly have afforded to pay pay for that dinner. I, uh, <laughs> he could have made me less embarrassed yeah. if he just said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to man up. I'm going to pay for Mark and Eric, and they're yeah. nice guys." And he probably would have gotten late, and he wouldn't have had to put somebody in handcuffs to a bed, and you know, <laughs> do the whole something about Mary thing in her hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't understand that either because dumb fuck, now your DNA is all in her hair. <laughs> stupid. Criminals are stupid. Anyways, I don't know where he's at now, but uh the, the marshals uh, brought him back to Utah and they should have yeah, they should have brought him back to the gay club or to Sukasa and said, you know, we would have let it go, but you didn't pay for Mark's million. Fuck. Yeah, you owe Mark some money. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you owe him, you know. He'll let you chain him to the bed, and you know you won't have to go through all this trial and sentencing and eluding. I think it was McDonald's because it says they caught him at a fast food restaurant. I think it was McDonald's. So now the question is: If you're running for eleven years and you can't even go for a fucking big back, is it worth it? I wouldn't think so. It's like: Is this guy a professional? Eleven yeah. years is a long time to. I'd I'd but... love to interview him. I'd really, the first thing I'd bring up is let's talk about Sukasa, you cheap fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> I, he probably wouldn't remember. He, he's, he's had some other things on his mind in the, in the time, but yeah, um, okay. We're going to go down. We're going to continue down the list. There's a, there's an individual. I could not find uh, details about his case. Uh, he was there for 27 years. Not a very friendly guy. He uh, he worked in the oldest. I uh, well, not the oldest. I get was Wasatch the oldest part of the prison, John. Yes, I believe. Okay, yeah. So he worked there for <laughs> as old as it was. This guy was a pretty old guy. Not very friendly. Not very nice. Everybody knew him, but he had a thing for marijuana, and he shared it with inmates. Twenty-seven years. He's forced out. I don't know if they ever charged him or what the cases were, but. Uh, I couldn't find details on him. He's no longer with us. He's no longer amongst the living. Yeah. He's oh, with Beetlejuice. Oh, he's like past. Oh, he's reading yeah. handbook. He's reading yep. handbook. Yeah. He's, he's tits up. Now, with, okay, when you hear these cases and you're dealing with it as an officer, it's, you know, a, <laughs> when you're a supervisor, it takes a whole different turn. Oh, because, it, it, yeah. It takes on a whole different turn. Yeah. Yeah. When they're your friend, when you're right. a friend and a coworker, yeah, oh. it takes on hold. I, I have a couple of cases. Has there been any case that's really affected you, John? On a personal level? Yeah. Yeah. There's been a couple of cases. From a from a professional level, there's been a few cases because I felt like I had I had a hand in training them properly and then they went astray and ended up sleeping in the inmates and or that kind of thing i've had a couple of uh i had i had one of the officers that i was a supervisor over and she ended up getting caught sleeping with an inmate um having sex with the inmate in the intake area where they where they bring the female inmates so that was a female officer with a female inmate i took it very personally in a way because i was her supervisor and i thought i had trained her very well and in fact when i 
started seeing the red flags of uh, uh, the inmate basically trying to, what's the word, molder into Breaking Bad. Okay. Um, I took her aside and, and spoke to her and said, hey, this is what I'm concerned about because this is what inmates do to manipulate you. And I'm seeing these in you. And I even notified my chain of command that I had had that talk with her. It, it still it still bugs me to this day a little bit mm. that, that she ended up taking that route and lost her job and would have been a great officer. Did, was, did she actually cross? I mean, did she she had sexual relations in intake in the intake area? She, she did yes, something that's sexual. what from what I understood. Yeah. Yeah, she would. The, the this back then the um the inmates could go a home on home visits. Oh wow! You, you remember that when the inmates could go home on home visits? When that inmate would come back, they had to go to the intake area and be stripped out in order to come back to housing. And she was this was a female unit, and she was a female officer. So obviously, they don't have the male officers going stripping out female inmates right come back right from what i understand that's where she started having sexual relations and, and actually got caught up there well i i got two stories to, to talk about one is you know i got a new staff i'm training i'm the sergeant i'm working in a unit where you've got the women's maximum security and then uh you've got three others you got four sections in the building one is maximum security and you have a new staff member and you watch a new staff as you train them and you give them guidance and you, you mm -hmm. correct, like you're saying, you know, you kind of pull them in and say, Hey, you know, be careful of this or watch out for this. And, you know, and, and you kind of get an idea of who's going to make it. And this for others, this is not the line of work that they should be in. So I had this particular person, I had a bad feeling, you know, you, the, this particular staff keeps talking to inmates the same inmates every time and you come out of the control room and you walk in and you are over the shoulder and they see you walking up and it's like oh, they, they say to the inmate hey look i'll talk to you later yeah. and you just get that vibe it's just like the hair on the back of your neck you know something's going on here this is this is not appropriate she's yeah. getting too friendly and i had gone to the captain of the unit and said she's getting too friendly i really think you you really ought to move her and the captain said, oh, just work with her. She's good. I really feel she's good. And and um, I think it's going to work out fine. Well, okay, but yeah, I'm telling you right now, there's only so much I can do. We only have three staff in that building during these time periods. There's only so much I can do. I can't sit there and babysit her. She's going to end up being around inmates, and I can't be there every second. So what ends up happening is, is on a Saturday night, we're not working. This particular officer who I was doubting, decided to go out with this case manager and it's the same case manager that happened with um, with Mr. Lawrence and the two of them decide they're going to go to a club in, in Salt Lake City go out on the town and have fun and have a couple of drinks and they go out they go to this bar in Salt Lake City it's not that hop this that hopping it's not that fun and so they decide that they're going to go to this house party that this staff in question is like hey I know I know where there's this house party and um, we can go check it out. And so the, the case manager is like, sure, okay, cool, whatever. So they, they go over to this house party, and it's not in the best area of Salt Lake City. Anybody that knows here, you knows that Rose Park has its good and bad. But they go to this house party. It's not a great part of town. 
and they pull in the driveway. And as soon as they pull in the driveway, here comes this particular person who was in prison two weeks earlier. Wow. And it's one of the people that this officer I had concerns about was spending too much time talking to. And of course, the case manager knew the inmate and was like, whoa, what are we doing? What's going on? And and this officer's like, oh, no, it's cool. It's cool. She's really cool. She's really cool. Like, come on, just relax. And, and you know, of course, it's pretty standard policy. You know, you don't have interactions with inmates uh, or people that follow in those circles outside of your job. And so they go into this party and she's not driving. So the case manager's kind of trapped. And so she gives her about five minutes. She's just like, she finally says to the officer, hey, I got to get out of here. I can't stay here. And if you don't take me out of here, I'm going to have to walk out of here out of this neighborhood she's like oh no it's cool we'll go we'll go we'll go so they leave and the officer's like you're cool right you're cool right you know <laughs> yeah, wanting to get some not type tell anybody right yeah right you yeah. know that we just totally went to uh parolee's house no it's cool it's fine it's great and so she drops her off verifying that it's cool and then as soon as she left then the the case manager jumped in her car and went down and reported it like hey and they fired this officer she was still on probation she was yep. a new staff but it's like, you're out of your mind. This is not the line of work for you. Right. You know, right. The other, the other one is kind of an interesting twist in the fact that, uh, I saw a staff member, you know, getting... what? This, this, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is so crazy because I can think of probably at least a dozen. These aren't the ones that been the ones you're talking about. Sad. Like, Sad. It, it's terrible. So the, the other one that, that happened to me, <laughs> And, you know, it's it's all about who you work with. If you establish boundaries with inmates and let them know that you're not going to take their shit, it's pretty easy. It's a it's an easy yeah. job. Yeah. And, and and once they know your line, you're, you've drawn the line in the sand of, of here. I'm not I'm not here for your entertainment. You know what I mean? I'm here to protect and serve, you know, not to be cheesy about it. But once you've drawn that line. Not only does that inmate know that, but all the other inmates know that too. Right. No, they talk. They talk all they the talk. time. Yeah, they talk. And again, like I said before, you're in earshot of inmates all the time, no matter where you think you you think you're in a private area. Some inmate can hear you somewhere. And once you draw that line, it seems like okay that, that you don't have that issue anymore. Right. Because they'll talk and say, hey. Mark doesn't do that. Mark doesn't play that. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm working in this unit and I've got this this new staff and you know she's she's a go-getter. She's good. She starts communicating with this one particular inmate. You go in and you're doing section checks with her and she gets to this guy's cell and she, she it's a swinging door. It's not a sliding door. You know, you pop the lock in the control room and you can swing it open, but it's a swinging door. She's sticking her head inside the cell. She's opening the door just enough to get her head in, and she's whispering to this guy, no, you don't do that. That's not good. Staff had told me, like, she's doing something. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't trust her. I go in and I do a section check with her, and I'm on the top tier because I went upstairs where his cell is. When, they, when he saw that her and I were coming in, and that she was checking the cells downstairs. He came out of his cell and he went down the stairs. He went over to the desk, uh, or not desk, the tables, the section tables. She sat uh -huh. down. I'm watching the whole time, but I'm also having to look in the cells. I turn around 
and he's got his hand out reaching for something and she reaches into her pocket. She turns around, looks up and sees me watching her. And then she pulls her hand out of his pocket and out of her pocket. And he's left there with his hand out. Like what, what? So clearly he was trying to get something from her and she was going to hand him something, but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So we leave and, um, I immediately start doing notifications like something's going on and the, the shift commander came over and we talked to her and stuff and I write it all up. I submit it to the chain of command. And then two weeks later, another supervisor says, Hey, what happened with you and officer so-and-so? I'm like, um, what are you talking about this day two weeks ago? And I tell him, it's like, well, this person, this officer is saying that you strip searched her. Oh, and I'm like, what? What? And sure enough, oh, within a couple of days, I'm getting a phone call from Human Resources saying, "Come up, we need to talk to you." Wow. And, it's, and now I'm the one under investigation. Right. Yeah. And so I get pulled in. This uh, staff, she gets moved to another area because of this accusation. Uh, she had told another supervisor a few days later that you know this happened and this happened. He wrote it all up. He submitted it, and he did the right thing. You know, yeah. I want to be clear yeah. to this bullshit. Oh, yeah. So, so what happens is, is, um, well, once you know, they, once they start drowning, they just, they start reaching for every, everybody, everyone right. goes down, everyone right. around is going to go down. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I went up there and I got interrogated by uh, a couple of people in HR and, you know, asking me everything about that day. Eventually they brought her to the warden's office and, she tried to recant what she had said and they said, no, you can't do that. And she again was on probation and she was fired. Yes. I got a, another one that really hit me personally that, that made me question my judgment on other people. I had a, a new officer. We called it, they, they fished in. We called it. That was the term we used when, when they were new fish cops, fish cops. Yeah. Great. I, I thought he was a great guy. Really wanted to learn. Showed him how to do reports and everything. I mean, just the, the guy was just turned into this great officer, but he was a little bit quirky. He was just a bit quirky. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> Like, he, But that's not unusual for correctional staff. I think we're all quirky in some weird ways. No, I'm just fucking weird, John. Yeah, Let's you're just, just, you're just call a call a spade you're, a spade. You're fucked up, period. But I'm a weirdo. Yep, yep. Still love you. Right on. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but this guy was he hadn't been married for very long at all, and I remember, I remember one day he was talking about uh, threesomes with his wife, and, and I was like, what the hell are you? talking about like get to work basically and he, he didn't there wasn't a lot of detail obviously because i basically just shut it down because i wasn't there to talk about that but i was one i kind of wondered about it didn't think anything of it well i guess one night this is after he's off his probation period he's become a great officer um doing his job showing up and everything one day he doesn't show up Oh, didn't you hear he got arrested? And I was like, uh, for what? I thought, oh, it's something involved to hit a party or I, I pictured threesome and party and all that stuff. And he got involved in something he wasn't supposed to do. 
No, no, that's not what he did. Apparently, his wife had separated from him. He got drunk, drove over to her house. She wasn't home, busted in the window, Mm. busted in the door. He had cut the, when he, when he had broken the window, he had cut himself and he wrote in his own blood on the wall, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) In the meanwhile, he'd made so much noise trying to get in that break in the house, screaming her name outside the doors and windows. The cops show up. He jumps in his Jeep and drives away high speed chase. Ends up dragging two different counties, police involved, crashes in someone else's yard. I was blown away by that. Like, I would have never thought that guy was capable of doing something like that. Well, that's one thing about working in a prison that you realize, like, never judge a book by its cover. Oh, yeah. Yep. If you, it's a great place to work if you're a psychologist. Oh yeah. yeah. You get every angle of what the human beings are capable of doing to each other. That's inmate and staff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've got one final story to talk about. And and we talked earlier about when it hits close to home. And this this one really, really bothered me for a long time. Because you know, you're friends with these officers, these other staff. You have them over for dinner, you go out to the club and and I can't tell you the list of times that I've actually gone out and partied with this particular person. But uh, for the, the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to refer to this one as Michael. Michael had a great career, knew everybody, very personable, very friendly. Outside of work, I went to Yellowstone. I went to Las Vegas. I went to Windover. I even went to Florida with this person. And we always had a fantastic time. This person wasn't a coworker. This was family. And yeah. we, I, I, I got a text and, um, and he said, look, I, I put in my resignation at the, at the prison today. And this is totally out of the blue. And I'm like, wait, what? So of course, you know, I like pull over and I call Michael and I'm like, wait, what's going on? And well, you know, I, <clears throat> I fucked up. This particular inmate uh, has a grandmother who needed help and wasn't able to do yard work on her own. So I went over to help out, clean up the yard and stuff. And, you know, they found out about it. And, and so I was, I was pulled in. So I just went ahead and resigned. I, I put together a care package. I went over to Michael's house. I sat with Michael, like within a couple of days of this whole thing taking place, it's like, Oh fuck, you know, try to do the right thing. And, and it's just, you can't do that in this line of work. And then it's two weeks later, another supervisor pulls me in and says, uh, Michael's fucking lying to you, man. And I, I said, what do you mean? And I, he, he was, he was irritated. He's like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing you defend Michael he has a relationship with this female inmate and would go over to the grandmother's house. So grandma, when grandma called the inmate, Michael would get on the phone and staff over the conversation. But Michael was in a full fledged relationship with an inmate. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. the reality. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But Michael couldn't tell me that. I mean, I don't know if it was embarrassment or whatever, but uh, I'll never forget the supervisor telling me this and it, it hurt. It fucking hurt. You know, I felt stupid yeah. because how could this person get one over on me? Yeah. But I, yeah. I you know, I trusted Michael. So um, it, it, it hits close to home. You, the, again, I, I can't. Really tough. It can be really tough. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It's, it's not for everyone. It's, it's really not. and you know, nobody's, not, I hope, I hope people listening don't think that all of everybody's all, of, all correctional people are sleeping with inmates and not, it's not like that. There are a lot of incidents, but there's at the same only, time, there are a ton of only wonderful. the cute ones, John, only the cute ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you come be, in, trying to you, be real here. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> I'm sorry. If, you know, if you come in and you're all fucked up and sucked in and got sores all over your arms, if you think you're getting my cock, you can go fuck yourself. Okay, that's as real as it gets, bitch. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to get back to what you were saying. I mean, I'm just saying there's great people. I, I, I went into that career as a career i planned on doing it i know some people just happen to fall into it and that kind of thing i planned on doing it i had they had a great retirement it provided for my family and i met the greatest people there you you, you being one of them i've met the greatest people there feeling some of the greatest experiences i've ever had the feeling is mutual john i mean you you are a uh a pillar to the community you have the highest level of integrity uh of anybody i've met and it was an honor and i have so much respect for you and i know that no matter what the consequences were what the outcome was going to be how much work was involved i knew that you would always do the right thing no i appreciate that mark and i feel the very same for you very same i had questioned some of your shit that you used to do to me but <laughs> that's gonna be another podcast because we are yeah. at the end of our episode on dirty cops um and it's unfortunate we have to have this episode but it's a conversation again with this whole case with alabama i think it's kind of uh, a hot topic right now and unfortunately you look on uh national news and and some officers doing something that they shouldn't be doing everywhere in the united states constantly remember all the wonderful awesome people that are out there serving the community that are in it for the right reasons doing the right thing and making the united states the best country in the world thanks mark thanks john uh this is the gay florida man podcast we have wrapped up episode four i leave you with these words remember to be good and if you can't be good be good at it now if you're in prison you're not good at it <laughs>